I started talking this week about the key to spiritual maturity. And um, I've just basically said that it's the Word of God. The Word of God is given to bring us to a place of maturity. And the vast majority of Christians are struggling in their life because of a lack of knowledge. The scripture says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And that is exactly the reason that people are perishing in their body, in their finances, in their relationships, in their emotions, in any area of your life. It says in Isaiah 26, three, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. And that is not descriptive of the average Christian. And so that's an indication that our mind is not stayed on him. And that's what the word of God is given to us for is so that we can have the knowledge of God and keep our mind stayed on him and see things from his perspective. Nothing is catching God by surprise. Before there was ever a problem, God created the supply before you ever had a need. Everything is taken care of. It's a done deal. We don't need to worry about things. And yet the average Christian does because they don't have an abundance of the word of God in them. So we've been talking about this this morning. I started over in Mark chapter four and let's turn back over there. And I was giving the parable of the sower sowing the seed. Jesus said in Mark chapter four, verse 13, that if you don't understand this parable, You can't understand any of his parables. This is the thing that unlocks the teaching of Jesus and shows us how the kingdom works. Some people haven't put all of this together, but if you were to just go through and take all of the times that Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is as, and it gives something. This is the one that opens up all of the things about how the kingdom works. This is the revelation. And so we, we started with verse 14. Here's the interpretation of this parable of a man who threw seed on four different types of ground. Only one of the four brought forth fruit and it tells you why it didn't work. And this really isn't talking about how to sow seed. It's using this as an example to illustrate how the kingdom works in your life and how it is that you get things. Well, I said a lot of really, really good things this morning. If you missed any of this, you ought to get this morning's teaching because it really would help you to understand why he likened the word of God to a seed because a seed is something that this whole uh, earth operates on. Most people don't think this way. And you know, we get away from uh, being farmers and stuff the way that many of our parents and grandparents were. And we just don't think this way. We think that, you know, meat comes from the store that vegetables come from the store, but they really don't. Did you know everything in the earth operates on seeds? Everything that you eat, every tree that you see, every flower, everything that's in this world comes from seeds. And even people and animals come from seeds. You have to have a seed sown to have a person. Everything in this world, anything that's alive operates from this principle of a seed. And likewise, everything in the kingdom of God operates in from the principle of a seed. And this is the seed. Verse 14 says, the seed is the word of God. The sower is sowing the word. And so all of this is about how that the whole kingdom of God operates off of the word of God. 
If you aren't taking the word of God and putting it on the inside of you, then the kingdom won't work for you. And I gave some explanation about that this morning that was really important. I hadn't got time to go back over it, but the first type of ground, that's all we talked about this morning. The very first step is if you compare this with Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, which is the same parable given by Matthew. And it just says it in a little different way. It shows that the first step in getting the word of God on the inside of you is your understanding. If you don't understand the word, then Satan comes immediately and steals it from you. So you've got to get the word through your understanding. That's the gateway to your heart. And I talked a lot about how important it is to understand, to make disciples and not just get people fired up about God can heal. It's wonderful to say that God can heal, but how does it happen? Why does it happen? How come not every person is healed? You've got to get understanding before you're going to experience it on a consistent basis. So anyway, those are some powerful things that we've already talked about. That was the first type of ground. The second type of ground is listed in Mark chapter four, verses 16 and 17. And it says the second type of ground, this is talking, the ground symbolizes people's hearts. The seed is the word of God. And it says in Mark 16, and these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, which when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness. Now, if you just stopped right there, you would think that if a person immediately reaches out and receives the word with gladness, that this is going to have a positive result. But you know, the end result is it didn't work. You got to do more than just be excited about the word of God. It says these people immediately received it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure, but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Boy, there is a mouthful in that. I lived in this level for a long period of time. And when the Lord first revealed this parable to me, this is where I was. Let me also say this. I didn't make a point of this this morning, but I think that these are progressive steps of the word working in your life. All of us start as being totally insensitive to the word. We have no understanding and Satan just steals the word. Then you go through a stage where you, you get excited. You do understand it. You embrace it, but afflictions and persecutions come against you. And because of a lack of root in yourself, you don't bring any fruit to perfection. Then the third stage is you go past that, but you get occupied with the cares of this life and other things distract you. And that stops the word. And eventually, if you continue on, you come to a place where you start bearing fruit. But I believe that there's steps and stages in the word of God working in our life too. And in our life, in Jamie and me, we found ourselves right here. And notice there's, there's so much that's in this verse. I could preach on this for days. I know I say that about every verse, <laughs> but I have spent, I've spent decades meditating in this. I honest, I am not exaggerating. I could preach on this for days. I'm just giving you the real quick, uh, synopsis of the things that God has spoken to, to me, not just through me to other people, but these are things that he's told me. But one of the things that I learned through this, it says affliction and persecution comes for the word's sake. 
So much of the body of Christ is teaching today that afflictions and persecutions are God trying to make you better and make you more mature. And that if you want, if you're praying for patience, then you're praying for trouble because uh, tribulation works patience and it'll make you perfect and entire out of James chapter one. I'm not going to go there, but that is a total misinterpretation and teaching on that. Troubles do not make you better. If they did, the people who've had the most troubles would be the best. And that is not true. This says afflictions and persecutions come against the word that's in your life to get you offended. This should answer that whole question about does God cause the problems in your life? No. God is not sending anything to choke the word and to stop the word from working in your life. But this says that afflictions and persecutions come against you because of the word to try and get you to stop. You know, every person in here has problems. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're breathing, we live in a fallen world and you got problems. If you don't have any problems, just hold on. You will have problems. (laughs) Amen. And if you start going the direction that God wants you to do and start going against the flow of this world, you are going to be persecuted. It says in second Timothy chapter three, verse 12, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you aren't being persecuted, it's because you aren't living a godly life. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. It's absolutely true. I guarantee you, you live a godly life and the, the ungodly will either repent, but not all of them will repent. Some will fight against you, but there won't be indifference. If people are indifference to you and if it doesn't matter and that, you know, they can take you or leave you, you aren't living a godly life. If you live a truly godly life, you will bring people to a place of conviction and they will either repent and accept the Lord or they will rebel at you in an effort to soothe their own conscience, but they will not be indifferent. An old dead fish could float downstream, but you turn around and start swimming upstream and you're going to meet some opposition. If you never run into the devil, it's because you're both headed the same direction. (laughs) You turn around and start seeking God and you're going to bump into the devil there are going to be problems in this life, but it is not God giving you your problems. God isn't the source of that. Satan is coming to steal away the word that's in your life with afflictions and persecutions. If you understood this, if you just got this one point, this would revolutionize many people's lives because they think, why is people picking on me? And you get to feeling sorry for yourself and think, what have I done wrong? You know, you could go into the average town in the United States and start a bar and you could be accepted by anybody. You can go join most churches, (laughs) but you go in and start preaching the goodness of God. God loves you. God is a good God. God's not the one putting problems on you. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be above only and not beneath. And you start preaching the word of God and you'll get kicked out of not only the bars, but of out of the churches and you'll have people turn against you and there will be problems. And if you just understood that it's actually in a sense, a backhanded compliment, it's the devil coming to try and get you to back up on the word of God. He's trying to get you to compromise on the word. And this is how he does it is with afflictions and persecutions. People criticizing you. It can be family members. It could be your neighbor. 
It could be people at work, people at church, but they just start speaking against you and criticizing you and saying, man, you're causing trouble. You're causing division. You're doing this. And they will come against you. And it's in an effort to get you to back off your faith. If you understood that, it would change the way you respond to people's criticism. And it'd make you that nothing's going to move me off the word. But most people don't understand this. They think, well, look what everybody's come against me. I must be wrong. Well, if you took that, then Jesus must have been wrong because everybody forsook him. Everybody turned against him. The people that shouted Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Within just a day or two, we're saying, crucify him, crucify him. And yet Jesus didn't go by popular opinion. I tell you, you need to get to a place to where you go to the word of God, you take these truths and you do not let affliction and persecution, criticism against you, turn you away from the word of God. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm saying this in love, but the vast majority of people, I would suspect that even the vast majority of people in this room are susceptible to the criticism of people and it gets you off the track and you quit preaching the word of God, you're afraid of being crucified, of being criticized and things like this. And it's wrong. We're going to have to get beyond that. You know, I've got a lot of people that don't like what I say. There's a lot of people that do like what I say and they're being set free, but I've got a lot of people that don't like me and don't like all this. And if I was to just sit here and focus on all of the criticism that I get and quit doing what I'm doing. You know what? The people who are receiving wouldn't receive. You know, when Jamie and I first got this, we were still in the Baptist church. I'm not against the Baptist. I was born again in the Baptist church. I learned some good things from them. Praise God. I'm not against the Baptist. I'm just telling you, this is my testimony. We were in the Baptist church and they did not like what I was preaching one little bit. And we were being criticized. And I would go over and listen to other people. And I'd get so fired up in the word. I'd come back to my Baptist church and I had a Sunday school class and I'd go to preaching the word. And did you know for a week or two, we would see miraculous results. I mean, miraculous things. People were being healed, delivered, set free, baptized in the Holy Spirit. We were seeing miracle after miracle. People were just coming alive and it'd be good for a week or two. But then... I'd be attacked. Everybody had criticized me. The pastor had called me in and start saying, you're getting a little extreme. You need to settle down. You need to teach out of the quarterly. And even though I would still stand my ground and it looked in a sense like I was doing the same thing, I had lost my uh, confidence in it. It says here that they are offended Did you know what the word offended means? Offended doesn't mean that they just repented and said, whoops, I was wrong and turn around and go the other direction. Offended just means that you got hurt by their criticism. You were bothered by it. You lost your zeal. You don't have the same confidence and the same enthusiasm as you did. That's being offended. You don't have to reject it. I never rejected it. I still believe the things that I was, the Lord was showing me that I was hearing other people preach, but I would be offended And I mean, for the next couple of weeks, I'd be preaching the exact same message. I'd be preaching the same things that were getting results before, but it'd just be lifeless. People would fall asleep. Nothing would happen. There was no power in it. I wasn't seeing anybody's life changed. 
And I'd just be confused about God. I don't understand. Then I'd go back and hear somebody. I'd get fired up and I'd come back and preach for a week or two and see some great things happen. And then it'd go through the same thing. And this happened so many times that I got to where I could predict it. And I said, well, I know for a week or two, I'll see things happen. But then for a few weeks, it'll just be dead until the next meeting that I go and get fed. And I knew it was happening, but I couldn't figure out what was happening. And Jamie and I, this is just right after we got married. This was in 1972 or maybe the early part of 1973. We were studying one night. We read these exact passages of scripture and God just gave me a revelation what was happening. You know what the difference was? I didn't have root in myself. I was living off of another person's revelation and my spirit bore witness. I knew it was true. I got excited. I received it with gladness, but it wasn't my revelation. It was somebody else's revelation that I was parroting. And even though I agreed with it and knew it was true, it was not mine. And you know, if you, if any of you've listened to me over a long period of time, I very seldom mention other people and it's by design because when I first started out, I'd go say, well, so-and-so said this and so-and-so said this. And I was quoting other people. And this is when the Lord spoke to me and he says, it's not your revelation. You're quoting somebody else. And the night that the Lord showed this to me and said, the reason that you can't last is because it's not rooted you're quoting someone else. You don't have it rooted in your heart. Jamie and I made a decision that night and said, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to quote somebody else again. I won't have to say they said it's going to, I may hear somebody say something, but I'll meditate on it and it'll get rooted in me and it'll be God told me and it becomes my revelation. And that's the reason I very seldom ever mention anybody else. It's not because I haven't received from other people, but I just learned that I'm not going to live off of another person's revelation. I'm going to make what they say mine. It becomes mine. God speaks it to me. And we made that decision that night. And we just chose that we weren't going to let affliction and persecution steal the word, that it was going to be rooted in me. You know, when I was a kid, I lived in Arlington, Texas, and we had 23 pecan trees in our yard. I know, I don't know if you say pecans or pecans here. Pastor, Pastor Dean over here always calls them pecans. I told him that's what we used to use if you didn't want to go all the way out to the outhouse. Amen. That just doesn't sound edible to me, but we called them pecans. We had 23 pecan trees in our yard. And it was my job to pull up these little pecans when they'd fall down in the grass and um, they'd begin to take root. And if we hadn't pulled them up, we'd have had a hundred pecan trees. So anyway, it was my job to pull up these trees before they got big. And being a typical kid, I didn't want to go around pulling up pecan trees. So I would see them and I'd ignore them and I'd go on playing, but I could see them. And I'd wait until they got maybe, you know, six inches or a foot tall. And then my parents could see them when they looked out the window or drove in the driveway and they'd tell me, you got to go out and pull this up. And I learned that if you wait until a tree gets a foot tall, there's three feet of roots. But if you'll pull them up when they're about that tall, you know what? You can just pull them up if it's wet. You can just pull them straight up and it's not a problem. It was actually easier to deal with them. And I learned through that 
that trees have at least two to three times as much root below the ground as it has growth above the ground. And as I was meditating on this, the Lord said, the problem is, see, people get excited about the word. They see what it can do. And so they're going to just latch on to something. They hear me teach something and talk about seeing my son raised from the dead or miracles happening and God doing things. And they say, yes, and they grab it and they receive it with gladness, but they don't take time to get it rooted. Did you know roots are below the surface? Nobody sees roots. And we want all of this visible growth. We're wanting to start seeing people healed and miracles happened and lives changed. And we're wanting to see our life just turn around and we're wanting all of these visible things, but very few people are willing to take the time to sit there when nobody's looking and just meditate in the word and let it soak down and start putting roots down that will establish you. As a matter of fact, when I went to Vietnam, One of the very first things that happened, I became a bunker guard one day while everybody else was going through the gas chamber and learning how to deal with this CS gas. And uh, I prayed and God made me the bunker guard that day. It was awesome. And I was just laying on my bunk, guarding all of the stuff while everybody else was out doing this. And I was reading right here in Mark chapter four. And I came down to the verses over here in verse 30, where it says, where in two shall we liken the kingdom of God? or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is least, is less than all of the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth forth great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And this is actually before Jamie and I got married before the time I was telling you, God showed me Mark chapter four. But I was getting some of this revelation at that time. And I remember I was praying and I said, God, this is what I want my life to be. I want my life to be like a huge tree that shoots out branches that the birds could come lodge in. I want my life to count. I want it to affect lots of people. I want what you have done in my life to touch people all over the world. And I was just in my mind seeing me like this huge giant tree that was spreading out and touching people and letting God's power flow through me to lots of people. And I was meditating on that. And the Lord just spoke to me and he said, Andy, if you were to grow that big with the root system that you've got, it says the first bird that landed on your branch, the whole thing would fall over. <laughs> it says the first puff of wind, the whole thing would fall over. He says, I can't give you this kind of influence when you only got roots that deep. He said, you need to get rooted in the word of God. And he says, when you get the roots, the growth will come. And that became a direction for me to just start getting rooted in the word. And this is talking about most people, they get excited and they embrace it and they say, awesome. And they get excited. They want to start seeing results, but they don't take time to take these scriptures and make it your own. You're living off my revelation or the revelation of somebody else. And you're saying, well, Andrew says, or so-and-so says, you need to get to where you may listen to me, but you go to the word and you say, God, if this is true, if you spoke this to Andrew, if it did this in his life, then I want it to become real in me. I want this seed to germinate in me. And you got to get the root in yourself. 
And it doesn't happen in one day. It doesn't happen in one time praying and asking God for something. It takes time. It takes time to get roots. And you know what? Most people are not willing to do that. And because they don't have root in themselves, they only endure for a while. Their heart's good. They mean good, but they don't have root. And then when affliction and persecution come, and I can promise you it will. If you start living godly, if the word of God starts germinating and producing results in your life, people will criticize you. In the natural, there's reasons that they'll do it. But in the supernatural, I can guarantee you, Satan comes with affliction and persecution to stop the word from working in your life. And he's got more than enough people willing and able to cooperate with him. It will be supernatural the way that people start picking on you and things start happening. Your car will break down. Your washing machine will break down. Your dog will bite you. Anything will happen. The devil will just come against you with problems. And if you don't have the word rooted on the inside of you, you'll quit and get offended and think, man, this is the way the word works. You know, I had basically been healthy my whole life until I got to preaching healing. And the moment I started preaching healing, I was sick for six weeks, six months. I had something to come against me and I've finally just got to the place where I even thought about, well, I'm going to quit preaching this. This is not working. And uh, finally, I just decided, you know what? It's the word of God. And I don't care if I can live it or not. I'm going to tell people what the word of God says. And when I made my decision and just started standing, then I broke through and praise God, I've been walking in supernatural health for over 40 years. And I've seen awesome things happen. But you know what? There was afflictions and persecutions. Satan came against me to see, was I going to really stand on the word of God or was I going to let my experience become more real to me than what God's word said? And everybody goes through this. Some of you are getting excited about the word of God now. And I can guarantee you when you start making a stand and when you proclaim that the word of God is going to have root on the inside of me and I am going to become a tree that is going to branch out and I'm going to touch other people and my life is going to count. You make that decision. You just got a big old huge target on your back and Satan is going to come against you with afflictions and persecution. And some of you say, well, I'm not sure that I want to do that. That's exactly what Satan is thinking you'll do. And there's many of you that'll give up. I'm not preaching that you're going to be overcome. You will win if you continue to stand. I'm just saying it won't be without a fight. Satan is not going to go down without a fight. He will resist you and see whether you're serious with this and he will come against you. And there is a period of time that you're going to have to stand. I could spend all the rest of the night telling you miracles about what Jamie and I have been through in hard times. I mean, every time we saw light at the end of the tunnel, it was another train. It just looked like that we were going to die and nobody cared. And yet we stood and we stood and you know what? We have seen victory, but it's not, it didn't come without a price and without some opposition from the devil. And so we were in a position where we were seeing some success, but it wouldn't last. And it was because it wasn't rooted in me. I was preaching another person's revelation. And did you know that that night, I remember it was a Saturday night, Jamie and I prayed and made a decision and said, in the name of Jesus, I'll never have to quote another person and say, so-and-so said, but this is going to become my revelation. The word of God is going to work in me. It'll be rooted in me. And we made that decision and we said, I don't care who it is. 
Nobody is going to steal the word of God. The scripture says in Romans chapter three, verse four, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. Every man, every man. That means no exceptions. We just made a decision that this was more important to us than relatives, than anybody. And did you know the very next day we went to church and this lady who was like a spiritual mother to both Jamie and me, and I led her and her husband to the baptism of the Lord. And then they were much older than us and they, they really gave us a lot of counsel. They were involved in getting us together. The man performed our wedding ceremony. They were very close to them. Did you know that the very next day, the lady got Jamie off to the side and said, Andrew's just getting a little wild. He's getting a little strange. He's not Baptist anymore. And you're the only one that can stop him. You've got to stop him. You've got to keep him from going out and believing this faith stuff. And you know what? Jamie just said, even though we loved her, you know what? That's my husband and I've made, I'm in this with him. I believe it the same as he does. And we walked away from that relationship. It was the most important relationship we had at the time. But we walked away and it was like 12 years before we were able to come back into fellowship. And eventually they were out of the ministry and I was able to bring them back into the ministry and God used me and we reconciled and we're good friends with them. And right now we're seeing a revival happen in that family. But it took 12 years before it started to improve, 20 years before we saw it healed. But you know what? We, it cost us something. It cost us a lot of our friends. We got kicked out of a bunch of churches, but we just stood on the word of God. And I'm saying this in love, but there's a lot of people that you want the word to work, but you aren't willing to stand if it's going to cost you something. If it's going to make you the weird one when you get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas, you just aren't willing to do it. And if that's the way that you are, you don't have root in yourself. Afflictions and persecution will cause you to be offended and you can still retain the same knowledge. And when you hear me preach it, you can say, amen. I know that, but it won't work for you unless you're willing to stand. You're going to have to get strong if you want to see the word of God work. And there's just, I don't mean this bad. I'm just telling you the truth. Hopefully this will shake you up and help you to change. But there's, most people are very insecure and codependent on the approval of other people. And there are some of you that you have to have the approval of your friends. You have to have your family's approval. You have to have acceptance. You You couldn't take it if people reject you. And I'm telling you, if, if you are dependent upon people more than you're dependent upon God, afflictions and persecution will offend you and the word won't work. And that's the very reason that some of you can't handle it. And it doesn't have to be just close friends. Did you know that there are some of you that revere a doctor more than you revere the word of God? And so the word of God will say by his stripes, you're healed. But the doctor's word is more real to you than the word of the Lord And you just can't make, you couldn't counter what the doctor says. You know what the word says, but the doctor says, you know what? That'll steal the word of God from you. You're going to have to get to a place where this is what the word of God says. And I don't care who it is. 
Nothing is going to move me off of what God's word says. This is what the banker says, but this is what the word of God says. This is what somebody else says, but this is what the word of God says. And there's a lot of people and I love you. I'm not mad at you. You can leave here and go out and stay the same as you are. And I'm going to still love you. I'm not upset at you, but I'm telling you the word of God won't work until you get to a place to where you let God be true and every man a liar, every voice a lie, every circumstance a lie. And there's not very many people that are secure enough to do that. I couldn't tell you how many hundreds of people, I bet you I've had over a dozen come to me during this meeting and say that in their heart, they knew this about the grace of God. They knew that God was a good God. They knew that he wasn't the way he's always represented, but they never heard anybody else say it. And so they wouldn't say it because they figured, well, I must be wrong. Everybody else must be right. You know what? You're going to have to get to a place where if you study the word of God and if God speaks it to you, you're going to stand if you're the only one that has that revelation. That's a powerful word. And you know why the devil uses affliction and persecution? Because it'll either, if you're insecure and you have to have the approval of people to feel good and to feel like you're okay. If you're an insecure person, then it'll make you shut up and quit operating in the word of God. But here's another thing that affliction and persecution will do. If you aren't careful, it'll get you off the track trying to justify yourself and prove to people you're right and gain their acceptance. And that way you still lose. The Lord gave me this example. Jamie and I, during this exact time that the Lord showed us this, we went to a man's meeting, Jonah, the guy who was the one kind of responsible for getting me started in the ministry. And he held a meeting and he called us out and we were being persecuted big time and told that we were of the devil and we're splitting the church by preaching the goodness of God and on and on and on it went. And we were just being criticized and we were young and all of these people were old and they were supposed to know what they were talking about. And it made us question whether we were doing it right or whatever. And anyway, during this meeting, Jonah called us out and he said, I have a vision of you running on a track, like one of these tracks, quarter mile tracks that you see at a school. He says, I see you running on a track and you're leading the race. You're leading the pack, but the people in the grandstands are yelling at you that you're doing it all wrong. And I see you getting off of the track and running up into the grandstands to argue with the spectators and convince them that you're doing it right. And he said, even if you win the argument, you're going to lose the race. He said, just forget the spectators, stay on track, stay on track. And I tell you, that was a word from God that transformed my life. And I realized that in my effort to have people accept me, that when I would say something and it would offend people, my first reaction was to go to them and, oh, please let me explain. And I want to make this clear and show you that, no, I'm not trying to do this. And I tried to explain everything. And the Lord showed me that that reaction was allowing Satan to stop me. I wasn't preaching the gospel anymore. I was defending myself. And that'll stop the word of God too. And I saw Jesus. When Jesus was criticized, he, you know, he'd say, you snakes, you vipers, 
And the disciples came to him and said, Lord, don't you realize that the Pharisees were offended? He would say things like, I'm the manna sent down from heaven. You have to eat of me or you don't have any relationship with God. And the people thought he was speaking of cannibalism. They thought that he was speaking about you have to eat his flesh. And they said, what are you saying? Are we supposed to eat your flesh? And he said, verily I say unto you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And they, they just left by the thousands. There was thousands and thousands and they all left. And instead of Jesus saying, oh, wait, wait, you misunderstood. Let me explain. I tell you today, Jesus would not be popular because we have such touchy feely ministers that we're so afraid that we're going to offend somebody. If we mention the baptism of the Holy spirit and speak in tongues, let's take them into a back room so that nobody will be offended. Man, Jesus, he didn't pull any punches. And instead of saying, oh, please don't leave. Please let me explain. Instead of trying to get into the grandstands and argue with the spectators, he turned to his disciples and he says, there's the door. Do you want to leave? He just spoke the truth. Jesus wasn't politically correct. He would say things and all he was out to do is to please his father. And he stayed on track and he said what his father said. And if it cost him the crowd, he didn't care. He did what his father told him to do. That's the attitude you have to get to have the word of God work. If you are worried about public opinion, it says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, I believe it is that the fear of man brings a snare, but they that trust in the Lord shall be safe. You got to put your trust in the Lord. If you're afraid of men, if you're afraid of what people have to say, Satan will steal the word from you and it will not work. You're going to have to get to a place to where God, if you said it, I'm not ashamed of it. I'll speak it. I'll believe it. I'll live it. And again, I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but I'm trying to get my point across. And I believe that really a lot of us are so timid and so shy that you're real strong in what you believe, but you go into your workplace and they go to talking about any number of things. It could be adultery. It could be homosexuality. It could be anything that you have a moral stance on. And yet you're afraid to say something because you might be considered politically incorrect. You might be a homophobe. You might be a person that's a fanatic and you're afraid to say, and you know what? If you have that attitude, if you're afraid to speak the truth in front of people, then you're offended and the word isn't rooted in you. You root it up every time you get that attitude. Now I'm not saying that you might not have a tendency. Nobody likes rejection. You might have the tendency. You may not be excited about them rejecting you, but if you resist it and go ahead and do what's right. That's okay. But there are many of you that honestly will not speak up because you're afraid it could cost you a friend. It could cost you, uh, you know, being the most popular person in the workplace. It could cost you your family and you might have a little tension at get togethers. And so rather than ever say the truth, you just allow people to speak doubt and unbelief over you and, and say all kinds of things and you won't stand up. You're offended at the word of God. You think that the word is offensive to other people. You just won't accept it. It usually goes over about like that, but I'm telling you that it's the truth. 
you're going to have to get to a place where you believe the word. And there's a tactful way to do it. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be as rude as I am, but you do have to stand for the word of God. You can do it tactfully, but you got to stand for the word of God. And if you don't, then you become offended, fearful, ashamed of the word and it doesn't have any root in you. Boy, you're going to have to get to where the word is so rooted in you that you just can't stop it. This is what you believe. This is who you are. You couldn't deny what you believe and what Jesus has done in your life any more than you could deny the color of your skin, whether you're male or female, whether you're an American or whatever. It's just who you are. It is who you are and you can't change it. You don't want to change it. You're going to have to get to where this is your belief. And there's a lot of people that just aren't that committed. They aren't that convinced in the first place. You're going to have to get into the word of God and you're going to have to convince yourself. This is going to have to become your revelation. And brothers and sisters, this is a major problem. Again, I believe that there are steps and stages. There are people that the word doesn't even penetrate them. It's like water off a duck's back. Their heart is hardened. It never gets through their understanding and it just is stolen. But then there's a large segment of people that are touched by the word. They know it's the truth. They embrace it. They rejoice over it, but they aren't willing to take the time and the effort to get it rooted on the inside of them. And so they just have a surface level and the first little puff of wind that comes along, it uproots the whole thing and knocks it over. I can guarantee you, Jamie and I've had a lot of things come against us just like every person has, but we've had times to where we've just felt like quitting and giving up. And yet we had such a deep, it was effort. It would have taken a huge effort to have renounced the word. It was just through every part of our being. We've meditated in it so long. It's just like, man, it's, it's more effort (laughs) to quit believing God than it is to believe God. I've spent so much time in it. But it took a lot of time to get there. I can guarantee you if there was any quit in us, we would have quit. You're going to have to cross that threshold to where you go so far into the Lord that you're closer to his home than you are yours. You're closer to faith than you are unbelief. You're just going to have to go so far into this that you've renewed your mind that honestly, it's easier for you just to stand and speak and take the persecution than it is to deny what's in your own heart. Man, this is a powerful word. And brothers and sisters, there are some of you that again, I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but I'm trying to encourage you that why it's not working. I'm trying to give you understanding that it takes more than just rejoicing and receiving the word with gladness. This second type of person did that, but they didn't have root in themselves. They were quoting somebody else's revelation. And then when something came against them, they didn't have root. They couldn't stand. Afflictions and persecution got them off the track and the word of God quit working. You're going to have to get to where the word of God is rooted on the inside of you. You know, I often tell people when they come forward for prayer, if they have pain, I said, I'll make that pain leave you. 
and I can pray and I've seen pain leave thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I mean, people riddled with pain, cancer, all kinds of things. I can make pain leave your body. I've got authority and you can speak to your body and you can make that pain leave. And I tell people often, I said, this pain is going to leave. And when the, when you feel the pain gone, that's going to be an indication to you that the other things that you can't see or feel have also been healed. And so I'll pray with people and I'll ask them, do you have pain? And they say, yes. And then I'll pray with them. I say, do you have any pain? No, it's gone. But then you know what? They'll, I tell them after I pray for them, I said, all right, right now you're pain free, but you can have another pain. It could happen. You could have that pain come back. And here's what's happening. The devil knows that I mean what I say. And when I command pain to leave, it's going to leave. But he's not sure if you believe it. So he'll come knocking on the door and he'll give you a little pain. You'll feel something come back. And are you going to stand on what the word of God says and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I was healed and I refuse to let this back in. Or are you going to cave in and go back and say, well, it didn't work. And that's what the devil is doing. As long as he can see that there's any quit in you, as long as he can see that you're wavering and you're only trying this for a period of time, if he knows that you're only going to try this until Sunday morning, he'll fight you till Sunday night. But when he sees that you've drawn a line in the sand and you crossed it and says, I'll never go back. If I died, this is what I believe. I stand on the word of God and you aren't going to change. The devil is a coward at heart. And when he sees that you aren't going to quit and you are resisting the devil, he will flee from you. But as long as you are just going through the motions, but your heart's not in it, you aren't committed to it. He'll fight you until one minute past when your quit is. If you've got plan B or C, he'll fight you until you get an opportunity to go those directions. And you're just going to have to make a decision that, nope, this is what the word of God says. And this is what I've got. And I'm standing here and I'm not changing. Amen. Amen. All of this is in that second type of person. And you know what? This is where Jamie and I were when the Lord revealed this to us in 1973. And we made a decision. We were going to move beyond this. We were going to get the word of God rooted on the inside of us. And I tell you, it was one of the best decisions we've ever made. And it cost us some friends and it cost us getting kicked out of a number of churches. And it cost us being ridiculed by people and friends and family members. You know, Jamie's parents thought that I had lost my mind. They thought that I had stolen their daughter away. (laughs) And we went through some rough times, but did you know, before they died, they came back and they were some of our very best friends, some of the biggest supporters of our ministry. My brother told my mother one time that Andrew's a cult and uh, he didn't like me, but you know what? He was just up and he says, you know, I'm sorry for the things I've said. And he says, man, you are really blessed of God. And he's come around. God has restored things. It's taken sometimes 20 and 30 years. Some of you are really discouraged by that, but you know what? I'm just... I'm telling you what happened in my life and it doesn't matter if it would have taken 50 years. We just made a decision. We were going to go on with God and we weren't turning back for anybody or anything. And let me just throw this in. This is going to be free. Some of you aren't going to like this. 
but I have no benefit from this whatsoever. This isn't going to benefit me at all. I'm not saying this because of any selfish advantage. I'm saying this to help you. There are some of you that are in dead, dead churches that are preaching things contrary to everything I'm saying. And you are bootlegging the gospel off of me. You can't get it at your church. And so you have to go to television, CDs or something and get it from me and from other people. But you are in a dead, 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 dead church. And you're going to stay there because your great grandfather has his name on a plaque on some pew. (laughs) Or I had one woman say, I was born a Methodist and I'm going to die a Methodist. And I said, lady, you did die a Methodist. You are dead. You don't know it. There's people that for whatever reason, you're in dead, dead churches. And you will... You throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps the loudest got hit. (laughs) But some of you are in dead churches and you will not take a stand and you're staying there and you're going to sneak up on them. You're going to change the church. I'm telling you, that is not God. I've been the pastor of three churches. We got a lot of pastors here and I guarantee you, you would be better off to let that church stay in unity and love with each other, then you get in and try and change the pastor. That is, that's wrong. It takes a miracle for the pastor to change the church, not a member of the church. It's not going to happen. All you're going to do is frustrate yourself and your silence is hindering you. You're afraid to say anything that's going to ruffle feathers. You need to get out and find you someplace that is going to minister the word of God and that you can support their vision. You don't have to believe a hundred percent. I'm not sure that I agree with myself a hundred percent. (laughs) Amen. If you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'd make it imperfect. Amen. But I'm saying you need to find a place that you can support that vision and get behind it and be ministered to and not just go there and have to pray in tongues through the whole service to be able to survive. That's hindering you. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. And if you're saying, oh, I can go there and it doesn't bother me, you're deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You need to go to a place where you can be challenged and get some good things out of it and support their vision. And you need to put your money into something that is preaching the gospel and not something that is preaching an anti-gospel. Amen. Amen. And so again, I have nothing to benefit from that. I'm just saying this for your benefit. There are many people that are embracing and putting yourself in positions that cause you to compromise the word of God. And I just don't do that. I don't go there. I just do not put myself in a position that is going to make me compromise the word of God. I don't do it. I'll speak up. I'll be as tactful, as nice as I can be about it, but I am not going to sit there and support something and be a part of something that's going to counter the word of God. Now, again, I go to a church, I'm in a situation where if I went to a church of a hundred or 200 people, 
They ask me to preach every Sunday and to do everything. So I don't go to those. I go to a real big church and I don't agree with everything that's done there. But overall, the pastor is doing a great job. He's doing some awesome things. His heart's right. He does preach on the grace of God and he's doing some wonderful things and I support him and we give to it. So it's not a perfect situation for me, but I'm saying you need to be in a place where you can at least be excited about going to church and feel like you're a part of that church and doing something. Amen. Amen. And so you just need to put the word of God first in your life. You need to get to a place to where you're going to let it take root on the inside of you and you aren't going to compromise. Compromise is a language of the devil. Whatever you compromise to keep, you'll lose. You need to remember that. And you need to take a stand on the word of God and get to where you're not ashamed of it. Paul said in Romans chapter one, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this to condemn again. I'm saying it to try and motivate us. But there are people sitting right here that are ashamed of the gospel. You, ha- you aren't convinced enough that you can take a stand because you aren't sure that you're right. You need to figure this out. You need to get to where you are sure that you're right. You need to remove that doubt. You need to get so rooted and grounded that you know what's right and then don't compromise and don't back off. You can be in as much love as you can. You don't have to be rude or mean, but you got to take a stand and stand for the word of God. Satan is going to come against that word to steal the word. It's all about the word. It's not about you. They aren't persecuting you. They're trying to get you off of the word. They're trying to get you off the track and up in the grandstands, justifying yourself. Don't give place to it. Don't spend time doing all of that. Just stick with the word of God. Let the word of God be dominant in your life. It's an incorruptible seed. And if you plant it and give it time, it'll take root. It'll break up all of the hardness that's in your life. It'll germinate. It'll start releasing supernatural power in your life. I promise you, I've seen it happen thousands and thousands of times. It'll work for any person in here. It's not the word that's failing. It's us that fail to take the word and let it stay in our heart. And you can't do this just on occasion. You can't do it in spurts. You can't put a seed in the ground and leave it there for two or three days and then dig it up and look at it and then bury it again and then leave it there for a few days and dig it up and look at it. If you do that, the thing will never germinate. I don't know exactly how it works, but I just know you can't dig it up every day and look at it. You got to leave it there and it just works. It's, it's, we don't understand. You don't know how it just works. God made it that you put a seed in the ground and if you leave it there, it'll release its life, but it's got to be left there. It has to stay there over time. And there are people that will stand for the word of God at a conference like this for three days because everybody here is as excited about the word as you are. And you'll talk to people about it and it's awesome. And then you go home and you're afraid to say anything because somebody might criticize you and you just pull that thing up out of the ground and it's not going to germinate that way. You're going to have to leave it in the ground. You're going to have to get to where this is who you are. This is what you meditate in day and night. It's what you believe. And I know some of you are saying, boy, this sounds like a lot of effort. 
Well, it is a lot of effort, but you know what? It's well worth the effort. I told Tom and Cindy today, we had a graduation for our Bible college in here and I was just thanking them for the things that they've done and they've endured some hardship. They've started, how many years? Five years? Six years here for the school. And did you know when they started here, it was very small and they struggled and there was a lot of financial problems and they had staff and they had friends that they brought here that they were paying to help run the school and we didn't have the money to do it. And they had to have friends that came here to start the school with them, leave. And and there was problems and they could have just wiped their hands and walked away. You know what? It cost them something. But they stood on the word that God gave them. They stood on the vision and now they're beginning to see it work. And we're seeing miraculous things happening and and it's worth it. But you just have to stand. And they've stood for six years, probably at least four years of nothing but hard times. In the last couple of years, we're seeing good things happen and they're seeing things happen. And this is just the way that it works. It takes a period of time. And a lot of people just quit because they think it's not worth the effort. But what are you going to do if you quit? You aren't going to have the results that the word produces. And so you're just going to flounder. Some people say, well, I just can't wait a year. Well, let me ask you this. If you don't decide to put the word of God in your heart and make it first place, what are you going to be doing the next year? Struggling the way you are right now, nothing's going to change. It doesn't matter if it takes a year or four years or five years or whatever it takes. You aren't going to get there any quicker than to start right now. And you just need to make a decision that I'm going to put God and his word. And if you just make this decision that Jamie and I said and said, praise God, I am never going to have to say so-and-so said, I'm going to take the things I hear people say, I'm going to go to the word of God and it's going to become mine. God spoke it to me. I've actually done this. I've got up and said, God spoke to me and told me this. And Jamie comes back and says, you heard somebody say that. But you know what? I forget that they said it because I heard them say it, but then I go meditate on it until it becomes mine. And I actually forget that somebody else is the one who said it because it becomes mine. You need to make that decision. You need to get to a place to where God, I'm going to take this incorruptible seed and plant it in my life and I'll never let go of it. And I don't care what the devil throws at me. I am not going to compromise the word of God. I'm going to believe it with everything I've got. And if you would make that decision, I promise you it worked for us. The Lord is, it says in first Chronicles 16, nine, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong in behalf of those that are perfect in his sight. That doesn't mean that you're sinless. It just means those that are completely committed to him. I think it's the NIV said those that are completely his. Maybe that was second Chronicles 16, nine. It's one of the Chronicles 16, nine that says that. And God is here tonight looking to see, is there anybody who will take the word and put it in their life? His eyes are here. And you know what your response should be? Look no further. God, here am I. I'm going to take your word. I'm going to put it in my life. And it doesn't matter if God called you to be a housewife and a mother, you will be a supernatural mother. You will be a supernatural housewife that sees awesome things happen. I've seen housewives in our Bible study raise people from the dead. 
It doesn't matter if you're called to be a businessman. You don't have to be in the ministry. It doesn't matter what you're called to do. If you put the word of God in your life, you will see supernatural results. This is not just for preachers. This is for every person in the body of Christ. And you need to make a decision and say, I'm going to put God's word and I'm going to make it rooted on the inside of me, whatever that takes. However much time, however much effort, I'm going to put it into it. And the word of God is going to literally dominate my life. Amen. Amen. You know, right now I want to give an invitation for you to make that decision, but let me preface it. Most people, again, can't handle the criticism, the rejection, being different than other people. And there are people sitting right here that you aren't willing or ready to make that decision yet. But if I give an invitation, you're going to respond because you don't want to be the only person that doesn't respond. (laughs) And so you're going to cave and just go along with the crowd and follow things. I want to warn you that I, if, if that's you, be honest enough just to say, I'm not ready to make that decision yet. Pray about it. But if God has touched your heart and if you're ready to say that, you know what, I am committed to this. I'm going to make the word of God first in my life. And let me also say there are some of you that have already made that commitment. I've already done it. I haven't done it perfectly. I haven't arrived, but I've left. I've made this decision. I don't want you, if you've already made this decision, to stand and make it because you've already made it. Just keep to what God, what you've already done. And then there's some of you that aren't ready to make it. I don't want you to stand because it's not going to be sincere from your heart. It would be better not to profess something. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes 5, 5, it's better not to make a vow than it is to make a vow and not pay it. But if you receive this and say, man, this is what I need. And I know this is true. And I am going to make a decision like Jamie and I did that I am not going to let anybody steal this word from me. I'm going to hide it in my heart and I'm going to stand against afflictions and persecutions, whatever it takes to see the word of God. I haven't done this before, but I'm ready to do it tonight. And if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to, to make that kind of a commitment, I'd like to ask you just to humble yourself and stand and say, I'm ready to make this commitment right now. And I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to lead you in a prayer of dedication. And we're going to see the word of God begin to work in your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I know some of you are thinking about it. This is kind of a short notice to make such an important decision. But if the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, I don't want to make it too hard. You can't, you can't ever promise that you're going to do this perfectly, but I'm saying you're willing to commit yourself and say, God, this is what I want. I want it with all of my heart and you will fail. You won't do it perfectly, but you're willing to commit to it. God will hold you to it. Amen. If that's you, I want you to stand. And I want to make it clear, I'm not going to, I'm going to specifically pray this won't work for any person who's seated. (laughs) If you're going to receive this prayer, you're going to have to humble yourself and stand to get it. That's not a lot. 
But you're just going to have to say, you know what? I haven't done this. I've let the devil steal the word from me and I'm not going to do that again. Anybody else? It won't work if you're seated. There's a lot of you, see, that we're going to receive this prayer on the sly and it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Praise God. Isn't this awesome? I just want to encourage you, if you really mean this, And if you're willing to do it, the scripture says that God will keep that which I commit unto him. No committing, no keeping. But if you commit, God will keep what you commit. And if you are really meaning this from your heart, God's going to hold you to this. And the word of God's going to start working in your life and it'll make a difference. It'll change you. You won't do this perfectly. Don't condemn yourself if, if somehow or another you don't follow through but you say, I, I, this is my commitment. And you head in that direction. And I promise you, it's going to change your life. I think that you'll be able to look back to April the, the 6th, 2011 and say, my life, that was a major turning point in my life. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for all of these. I thank you, Jesus, for people humbling themselves, for the Holy Spirit being here to convict us and to bring us to this place that we are going to have the word rooted in us. We aren't going to have to quote another person and talk their revelation that father, this will become your word to us. Even if we hear it through a person, that this is going to be you speaking to us. Father, right now we repent of the fear of man and the other things that have stolen the word from us and have taken our confidence away. We repent of that and turn away from it. And thank you, Father, that there is forgiveness and that we are not under condemnation. And we just thank you that you cleanse us of that. And from this time forth, with the grace and the help of God, we are gonna stand and not let any man or anything steal your word from us. We're making a decision tonight that let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every circumstance that tries to get us to compromise on the word of God be a lie. We exalt your word and Father, we ask the Holy Spirit to keep us to this commitment. Hold us to it. Remind us in the morning. Help us, Father, to walk this out. And we thank you that as we do this, that this seed of the word of God is going to literally transform our lives. And that father, many, many people will be changed because of this. Many people are going to be changed because of this. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is speaking to me right now. And there are some of you that as I was talking about that desire, I had to be this big tree that could reach out and touch many people with the word of God. Many of you just were saying, yes, that's what I want. And then when I said, but I had a root system that deep, you immediately knew that that's why God hadn't given you more influence. The Lord is speaking to you now and saying that that was a word for you. And if you will humble yourself and take this and just focus on the word, meditate in it day and night, it will just, it will effortlessly bring forth this fruit in your life. It'll be impossible for you not to see the power of God move in your life if you just keep the word rooted and grounded in your life. 
Man, that's a word for, from God for many of you in here. And I believe it's going to transform you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we receive it. And I just prophesy prosperity and blessing and good results over people as the word of God begins to dominate their life. We thank you for it and receive this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I could just keep preaching, but I'm going to quit. But I can remember when I made that decision and I've never gotten over it. I can tell you exactly where I was. Actually, I've made that decision more than once. I don't know that I needed to, but I felt at the time I hadn't done it very well. And, and I just stood on it and I, it's changed my life. If you aren't born again tonight, you need to be born again. You can't have the word of God work in you if your ground is bad. And the thing that makes you good ground is first of all, you got to be born again. You need to have the spirit of God come live on the inside of you. If there's anybody in here who doesn't know Jesus personally, the very first step in the word of God working in your life is to take the truth that he spoke about. If you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans 10, nine, you've got to do that first. And then once you get born again, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy spirit, which includes a lot of things. The Holy Spirit is sent to give us strength so that we can follow through with commitments like this. You can't just do it in your own power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that you get is this gift of speaking in tongues. And speaking in tongues is so powerful because when you just reach the end of yourself, you can get into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will intercede through you and pray. It'll bypass the confusion and the doubt that's in your mind. It'll release supernatural power. This speaking in tongues is of God. It is a powerful gift. And I can tell you, Jamie and I would not have made it if we didn't have this gift of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues. We would not have made it. I'm telling you that it is absolutely essential. Somebody's saying, so are you saying that you have to have this gift of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues to go to heaven? No, that's not what I'm saying. You can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, you can get there quicker. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, because you're going to die of something along the way, you aren't going to have the power to overcome it. You can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit, but why would you want to? Man, the Holy Spirit is given to bless us and to help us. You need this gift of the Holy Spirit. It will transform your life. Is there anybody here tonight who says, man, I need one or both of those. I either need to make Jesus my Lord and get born again, or I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Here's some people over here. Anybody else? Praise God. Be bold here. Be bold with this. Thank you, Jesus. We've already had over a hundred people in two services receive the baptism and about 12, I think that were born again, but I just don't want to miss an opportunity because these are two things that are absolutely essential. You need both of these. Everybody does this. 
you know, as you go beyond that, some people are called to the ministry, some aren't, and different things. But every person needs to be born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come down here and we want to pray with you and help you to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Come forward right now and let us pray with you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome, brother. Praise God. Oh, you're ready. Come forward here. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Glad you came. Praise the Lord. Isn't this awesome? God bless you, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else want to come and receive? Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Your dad. You graduated today or promoted. You were promoted today or no, you, but you were here. Anyway, I've seen you. This is your dad. What a deal. Awesome. This is one of our Bible college students here. Isn't that great? I know some of you are a little afraid and you're saying, man, I've heard about you tongue talkers. You didn't realize I spoke in tongues because I'm, I don't scream and yell and spit and say glory to God. And some of you just didn't know what you was getting into, but you know what? This is a tongue talking meeting. How many of you speak in tongues? Amen. See, you're in one of those meetings. They will talk about you for being here. So you might as well get something for being here. Amen. We aren't going to do anything. I've got a free book. I'm going to give everybody who comes forward for this. There's no reason to be afraid. There's nothing to lose. We're just going to pray for you. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. We just want to help you receive all that God has for you. You know, there's some people out there that you're saying, well, I know this is true and I've prayed for it before, but I've never spoken in tongues. That's just, what's the point? I'd like to encourage you to come forward because we are going to minister to you and I believe you're going to receive. If you don't speak in tongues fluently, maybe you spoke in tongues a few sentences or something, but if you aren't speaking in tongues fluently, you ought to come forward and let us minister to you and get this book. It'd help you to be able to receive. So if you're struggling with speaking in tongues, I want you to come forward. Even if you've prayed for this before. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I've done this every service, but you know, this is just such a privilege to be able to introduce people to the Lord and to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't ever want to get over this. Before you can receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, the scripture says that you have to receive Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody here who's not absolutely certain about your personal relationship with the Lord? Maybe you aren't confident that if you were to die right now, you would go to be with the Lord. Is there anybody who's not sure If you aren't absolutely certain, I'd like you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you 
and help you to receive Jesus first before you receive the Holy Spirit. Anybody? Anybody here that's not sure? Are all of you sure you're born again? You're sure? You're not sure? We'll pray with you. How about you? Do you want to pray and just make sure that Jesus is your Savior? You can't hear. Well, we can get that healed too. Amen. We'll pray with you and get you healed. Praise the Lord. Um, Melinda, could you come pray with this lady and just get her ears open? This is part of her job description is to open the deaf ears. Amen. Praise the Lord. So anyway, all of you now are claiming that you know the Lord, except this one lady. Anybody else want to pray and just make sure that you've been born again? It's real simple. The Bible says you confess Jesus is your Lord. And if you believe it in your heart, you'll be born again. How's that? Isn't that good? So I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I want you to repeat this after me. I'd like everybody to say this so that she won't feel like we're just listening to her. Amen. And if you will say these words and mean it in your heart, then I believe you're going to be totally changed on the inside. Jesus is coming to live on the inside of you and you're going to be totally forgiven of all your sins. Is that a good deal? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus came and died for your sins? You willing to give him control of your life? Amen. Let's everybody say this. Say, Father. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. Right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You believe that? Welcome. You got born again. You're a transformed person. All of your sins are forgiven. Isn't that awesome? Now, according to the word of God, she just became the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that every person who makes Jesus their Lord, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that he created you to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. This is what he created you for. So there's no way that he would ever deny you the Holy Spirit. It's what you were created for. Some people teach that if you have a sin in your life or a problem, God won't fill you with the Holy Spirit, but that's not true. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. The very fact that you have problems in your life makes you a prime candidate. If you are born again, you are the temple and all you got to do is open up the door to your temple and let God come in. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Are you hearing me? Huh? Not yet? What? Oh, yep. <laughs> well, good. Awesome. And so all we're going to do is open up the door to this temple. Isn't this awesome? She had trouble hearing, so let's just lay hands on her and get her well. No problem. What a deal. See, you're getting this power on the inside of you that you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So what we're going to do is open up the door 
to this temple and welcome the Holy Spirit. He won't come uninvited. You have to receive the Holy Spirit. So we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit to come in. And then I'm going to ask our prayer ministers to come up here and they're going to stand behind you and lay hands on you because the Bible says that when the apostles laid hands on people, the Holy Spirit was given. So you can release the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. So we're, I'm going to lead you into prayer and we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on you and release the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And then I want you to quit asking for the Holy Spirit and just start thanking the Holy Spirit that he came into your life, regardless of what you feel like. Take a step of faith and believe that the word is true and just start thanking the Lord that he gave you the Holy Spirit. So at that time, after they lay hands on you and when you start thanking the Lord, I want you to lift your hands like this and start thanking the Lord because the Bible says that when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. It's a sign of surrender. Just like when you stick a gun in somebody's back and you go, I surrender. It's a sign of I yield, I surrender. So we're going to pray. They're going to lay hands on you. You're going to lift your hands and start thanking the Lord. And then those of us that know how to pray in tongues are going to start praying in tongues because the Bible says you give thanks when you pray in tongues. So we're going to start thanking God for giving you the Holy Spirit as we pray in tongues. And then I want you to quit praying in English and just switch over to praying in tongues with us. And I know that you have questions about it. I've got a book that's going to answer your questions, tell you everything I know. But if you're ready, you can pray in tongues right now. The number one thing that stops people from speaking in tongues, they think that the Holy Spirit's going to force them. You know, I I hate to use this example. Jamie doesn't really care for this, but to me it's real descriptive. But I used to think that speaking in tongues was going to be like when you threw up. You couldn't stop it. It just came out. Speaking in tongues isn't like that. Speaking in tongues is like I spoke tonight. I believe that God spoke through me, but he didn't force me to speak. If I would have just opened my mouth and said, oh God, use me. And then just wait on the Holy Spirit to make my mouth talk. Nothing would have been said. I spoke, but I believe God inspired it. And it's the same speaking in tongues. You have to speak. It says in Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the spirit gave them the inspiration. You do the speaking, the Holy Spirit inspires it. That doesn't mean that it's only you. It is you speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And after you get over the newness of it and the strangeness of it, you'll find it just flows out of you. And you can find that you can pray in different languages and you'll find that it is being inspired by God, but it's a step of faith you have to start speaking. So that's what we're going to do. If you're ready, you can speak in tongues with us right now. Isn't that good? This is going to change your life. It'll be awesome. Is everybody ready? This was a question. Are you ready? The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer and I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you that all of these now have made Jesus their Lord, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You created us to fill with your power. Father, I believe that. And I believe that you want this more than we want it. That, Father, you have 
waited on this day. You have longed for this day where people would yield themselves and allow this. And so we just open up the doors of our temple and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come into our life. We want you. We give you the right and the freedom to come into our life right now and take control of us and give us your power. We yield in Jesus' name. We lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit. Say, receive the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. We loose this power into you right now. Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is coming and taking up residence in every person's temple. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and not leaving us alone, but coming and filling us. We receive it right now. Now let's put your hands up and just start thanking God. Let's thank God. Thank him out loud. You can start in English if you want to and just thank him that the Holy Spirit has come to dwell on the inside of you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling all of these vessels in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We honor you right now. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's pray in tongues. Let's begin to start thanking God in this heavenly language. And as we speak in tongues, you speak with us. Quit praying in English now. Don't talk in English. Don't talk in Chinese, whatever your language is. You speak in a new language. Just begin to start speaking. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear somebody else saying, but your tongue will be different. It'll be yours only. But you got to start making sounds. If you don't know what to say, you can start trying to talk. Yours will come out differently and just keep talking. Just keep talking. You're bypassing the doubt and the unbelief of your brain. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, there's power, power flowing right here. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Brother, I'd recognize the Holy Ghost anywhere. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Brother, there's a lot of power flowing towards you right now. God's got great plans for your life. God loves you, brother. The Lord loves you. I can sense that there's some insecurity, wondering about this. But you know what? God loves you. Boy, the Lord loves you just like you are. He loves you so much he's not going to leave you like you are. There's power flowing in your life. You are going to see miraculous things begin to take place. Power flowing through you that you never had before. You're going to do some of the same things and get different results. You're going to be like the disciples that threw the net on the other side after fishing all night long. Do the same thing, but this time you're going to bring in a harvest that you can't contain. From this time forth, there's going to be power flow through you in a way you haven't experienced. Father, we just thank you for this. 
We receive this, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me have your attention here for a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to let you know that whether you spoke in tongues or not right now, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit. There was a lot of these people speaking in tongues. But whether you spoke in tongues or not, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit. I received the Holy Spirit actually three and a half years before I spoke in tongues. It took me a long time, but that's because I was a Baptist and I had been taught that this was of the devil and I had fear about it and confusion about what it was going to be like. And it took me a while to renew my mind and get it understood before I could do it. But I've written all of these things in a book and I have this book available and I'd like to give every one of you this because you need to understand what we're talking about to get the full benefit of it. And it'll answer questions. It'll answer uh, all kinds of questions you have about this. And I promise you, it'll be a help. We want you to get the maximum benefit. This could be the most important thing that has happened in your life since you were born again. I believe it's that important, but you've got to understand it. So I'd like to give you this book. And if you would, we've got Ashley right here. The man that gave his testimony was his little girl, Hannah, that God healed. And if you would follow him, he's going to take you and give you a book. There will be people there that will answer your questions, pray for you. We just want you to get the maximum benefit out of this. So if you would, take just a moment and follow Ashley. And we want to help you to receive the full benefit of the Holy Spirit. I believe you're a healed woman in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't this awesome? I believe you're never going to be the same. You're going to be stronger than horseradish. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hey, God bless you. Man, I don't know how many people we've seen. We had a, last night we had over a hundred people come forward, but only about 50 something made it back to the room. But uh, we had a bunch of people last night, some this morning. Anyway, we've probably had 150 or more. And uh, that's wonderful. Praise God. Going to change their lives. You know, these are our prayer ministers down here. Praise God for all of these people that have been helping us. We had Melinda read some of the testimonies this morning, and we've seen some awesome miracles happen. And uh, they're happening through these prayer ministers. You know, I've just decided that I'm going to make disciples. I know I can pray for people, but we're teaching these people how to pray for people. And you know what? They're seeing awesome results. And so if you would like prayer for anything, I'd like to invite you to come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers lay hands on you and pray with you. This way we can pray with every person in here. We can help you to receive. And so I want you to just be bold. Some people think I'm the only one that can pray for you, but I'm promising you, I don't have a gift of, of prayer or a gift of healing. My teaching gift is the gift that God gave me. These people can pray with you and we will see miracles happen. So if you want prayer, just get up out of your seat right now and come forward and let us agree with you in prayer. And we're going to believe God for miracles to happen. We've got people that are standing at the aisles and they're going to direct you towards a person so that everybody won't just get on one side please cooperate. And if you let them help you, we can get every person prayed for in here. The rest of you, uh, we stay and pray 
and I call out healings and we see a lot of people out in the audience healed during this period of time. So you're welcome to stay and receive. I had a man come up to me uh, tonight and this morning I called out that somebody had a brain tumor and his wife had told him to come up here and receive prayer because he had a brain tumor. It's right over here, isn't it? This man in the yellow shirt right there. Stand up and let them see who this is. And his wife told him, says, you ought to go up there and get prayer. And he says, well, I will. I'll just wait on it to thin out a little bit and then I'll get prayer. And while he was waiting, I called out exactly what he had. And he said, he knows that God touched him and healed him. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So you're welcome to stay and pray with us. But if you need to go, you're dismissed. Don't forget that we have CDs and DVDs of the three services so far, they're already made out there and you can pick those up as well as all of the other materials. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and then tomorrow night at 6 p.m. We start at 6 tomorrow, not 7. So come then and that'll be the last service. And then on Sunday morning, I'm gonna be ministering at 8 o'clock and 10.30 at Solid Rock Church just one mile south of Spaghetti Junction on I-85. And anyway, they have a, at our partner relations, or no, our pastoral relations table, there's a brochure about that. If any of you want to come Sunday morning to Solid Rock Church. Praise God. Thanks for coming. You're blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we just agree and thank you that every single person here is seeing a manifestation of their healing tonight. Thank you that by your stripes, they have already been healed. And we just agree and we release this healing power to flow in their bodies right now and to manifest perfect health in them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord's speaking to me right now that there's somebody here that's got like stomach acid that somehow or another gets out of your stomach and up into your esophagus. It's not the same thing as like a, I don't know, acid reflux, but it's specifically that you've got acid spilling from your stomach into your esophagus. I've never heard of that, but I'm assuming it can happen or the Lord wouldn't have spoken it to me. Who is that that's got this problem in here? If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. Man, here's a couple of people. I'd never heard of this before. Here's the healing power of God flowing to you. If this is you, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who it is that I'm praying for. Father, right now, for all of these, whatever causes this problem, in the name of Jesus, we just command this problem to stop. If there's a valve or something here that's not working properly, we speak healing unto it. If the body is producing too much stomach acid, we just speak that it becomes normal. Whatever the root of it is, We command this pain and discomfort to be gone now. In Jesus' name, you leave them and let them go right now. Pain be gone. Bodies be healed. 
And Father, we thank you. Right there is the anointing of God flowing through you. Some of you, your pain and discomfort is leaving you right this moment. It's over. And it's not coming back. It's not coming back. I believe that you're healed right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You receive that? Praise the Lord. Man, that's great. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for that. You know, I believe that there's a number of people in here receiving hearing. You're getting your ears healed. I'm assuming that you've got partial hearing or you couldn't hear me. And this lady's one of them. Is there anybody else here that needs your hearing healed? Here's another one. Maybe you've only got, uh, you know, some people have certain frequencies that are gone, or maybe it's just one ear or whatever. But if that's you, if you've got hearing problems, I want you to stand and lift your hand so I can see who we're praying for. And you let them lay hands on you, but I'll release the prayer. And I believe that this healing is coming into you right now. Deafness in the name of Jesus, we command you to be gone out of their body. We command a, command a spirit of deafness to leave this place. Get out of our bodies. Get out of this place. Be gone. Don't come back in the name of Jesus. We resist you and command you to flee. Now, Father, we release your anointing to touch their ears. We speak healing to those eardrums, to the nerves, to these canals in their ears. We speak healing over you. Ears you hear now in Jesus' name. Volume, you come back. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's the healing power of God. Some of you, your ears popped and just opened up. There's the healing power of God. I believe that the volume is increasing. I believe the distortion ringing in the ears, those kind of things are gone. And here's the healing power of God. Right now, we just release it over all of you in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that this is done right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You believe that? Praise God. Let's praise God like you believe you're healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Is there anybody in here that can already feel or hear the difference? Can you hear? How bad was it? Were you totally deaf, partially deaf? Partial hearing and she's totally restored. Man, she's healed. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else that you've already seen your hearing come back? You can already tell a difference. If that's you, I want you to wave at me. Here's another one over here. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Here's another one. Here's two more right here. Their hearing has already changed. Did you, can you tell a difference? Praise the Lord. Here's another one. That's uh, five, six. Anybody else? Here's another one. Seven, eight, nine back here. Anybody else? And you know what the good news is? God didn't heal only nine people. He healed every single one. I was at a meeting in Phoenix and one of my friends, I called out a similar type thing and prayed over his healing. And he didn't hear a single thing right then, but he got up in the morning to go walking and he had to have hearing aids. 
but he didn't put his hearing aids in when he went walking. And the next morning he was out walking and he could hear the crickets. He could hear things and he just realized that he had been healed. It was about 12 hours later before he noticed what had happened, but he was healed the night before. I believe that every person in here is healed. You stand on this and speak to your ears and praise God. And I believe you're going to see the physical manifestation of your hearing. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just agree. We receive that. You know, the Lord is healing knees in here. There's people that have all kinds of problems with your knees. You could have arthritis pain. You could have blown out a knee, whatever. But if you've got problems in your knees, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for. And I believe God's healing your knees. If that's you, stand and raise your hand and God's healing your knees. You know, there's a lot of people. You need to take better care of your knees, amen. (laughs) But praise God for grace. Father, I thank you. And right now, I just release your anointing. I believe that you spoke that you're healing knees right now. Holy Spirit, we yield to that. We release the healing power of God. And knees you be healed right now. I command pain to be gone. I command ligaments and joints and cartilage to be placed back in these knees. Any damage done. Arthritis, I command you to leave people and to let them go. Pain and swelling be gone. Somebody had water on the knee, swelling on the knee. I command that to leave in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just loose your power right now and thank you that these knees are healed that pain is gone right now, that they're able to bend and move and do things that they couldn't do before. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's knee would actually bend the wrong direction. I don't know what that is, but that's a word of knowledge. Is that you? You're healed. You're healed. Man, this is the power and the anointing of God flowing. I believe that God's healing these knees right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's praise God. Thank God that you're healed. Thank him that that was a word of knowledge for you, that you have been healed right now in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? How many in here can already tell a difference in your knees? The pain is gone or the swelling is gone, the movement is good. And here's half a dozen right here. Here's another, there's, a, there's over a dozen people. Praise God. And God healed every one of you. He didn't heal just one or two of you. You're all healed. You just need to stand on it and say, it's mine and your body is recovering. From this moment on, I believe that you're recovering. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive all of this. Thank you for healing these people. Man, isn't this awesome? That's powerful. We've seen people's deaf ears open. We've seen problems with knees healed. What else did I call out? Huh? Oh, the people that had the acid problem in their stomach. Anyway, we've seen a lot of people healed. Plus, who knows how many people down here have been healed. God wants every one of us well. It's not God that doesn't heal. It's us. It doesn't reach out and receive. And praise God, I believe that there's just a spirit of faith in this place people are receiving. You know, you go to ministering the Word of God and people go to receiving the Word. 
The Bible says that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. The more receptive to the words you get, the more you embrace the word of God, the more you're going to see the miraculous power of God operate in your life. That's just the way that it works. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God for all these people praying for our people and helping us to receive. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Everybody's getting prayer. I'm going to let you go. Thanks for coming. Remember, we got two services left, 10 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Don't forget to get the materials out there. You're dismissed. God bless you.